Blog Talk Radio. Franchise interviews from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 12 years now, we've been asking the franchisees of all in one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show today. We're meeting with Jason Anderson, the president of the fastest-growing co-working franchise, VentureX. VentureX strives to provide high-quality, flexible, collaborative spaces to business professionals, allowing their members to grow their companies and exceed their business goals. We're going to talk to Jason about that in just a moment on Franchise Interviews. Stick around because we have a great show. The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity. Are you looking for a unique and lucrative franchise opportunity? If so, take a look at Stone Coat. With a patented process which creates a true stone finish on almost any wall or ceiling, Stone Coat is a true game-changing product in the multi-billion dollar construction industry. Stone Coat is applied faster, cleaner, and cheaper than conventional quarried stone, which saves both time and money. With advantages in remodel and new construction of both residential and commercial projects, Stone Coat is a true crossover product. The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity provides a low startup cost, low operating expenses, comprehensive training, ongoing support, and no royalty payments. For more information on the Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity, go to www.stonecoatfranchise.com. That's www.stonecoatfranchise.com or call us at 972-380-2700. That's 972-380-2700. Hi, this is Connie McDermott, Administrative Assistant for Franchise Interviews, LLC, and you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews, from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 12 years now, we've been asking the franchisees one one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews. And as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with Jason Anderson, the president of the fastest growing co-working franchise, VentureX. VentureX strives to provide high quality, flexible, collaborative spaces to business professionals, allowing their members to grow their companies and exceed their business goals. Hi, Jason. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, Marty. How's it going? I'm doing great, Jason. It's great to have you on the show. We always like to ask our guest, Jason, where are you calling from this morning? I'm calling in from our world headquarters here in West Palm Beach, Florida. Ah, beautiful. How's the weather down there today, Jason? It's hot and humid, so it's uh, summer (laughs) in Florida. It is, I know. But you know what? You guys got the winter thing going, don't you? (laughs) Yes, sir. 
That's fantastic. You know, I you know when I was studying venture X, Jason, I, I thought you, you really had an interesting history. Maybe you know we can kind of like go back to the beginning and talk about you know how this whole thing came about because I thought it was a very interesting concept. Well, sure thing. I mean, I actually personally started my business in a co-working space about 12 years ago, with, which led me into the franchising business from a real estate broker into United Franchise Group. But VentureX started as a single location uh, co-working space in Naples, Florida. Uh, wow. started by a few real estate developers that had developed a mixed-use development and saw that there was a need in Naples. And, you know, Naples wouldn't have been a prime target market for co-working, right. uh, but that space quickly got filled up at 100% occupancy with a waiting list. Wow. Uh, they connected with the United Franchise Group around 2015. We saw that the industry uh, was a prime target market for franchising, and we launched it as a franchise in 2016. And in those three years, we've already became one of the 10 largest co-working spaces. We've opened up 21 locations in the U.S. and Canada. We've sold 80-plus franchises and now uh, have signed agreements in 26 countries. That's incredible, Jason. You know, and it, it's great. You know, we had um, many years ago, we had uh, Mr. Titus on the show, you know, United Franchise Group. And I mean, they're really, um, they're also experts, I would say, on franchising too, aren't they, Jason? So they really know that their craft or their skill, don't they? Yes, sir. And, and uh, I was working with Ray and, and, and working and developing the consulting arm of United Franchise Group. And that's how uh, VentureX was actually brought into the company. So absolutely. That's great. You know, it was interesting when I was looking at the stats, Jason, I saw one thing that really just it, it stood out to me. It mentioned that the majority of the workforce will be freelancers by 2027. I said, that that's an impressive number, isn't it? It is. And I mean, I think when you look at the gig economy and the way that, the, it, again, the overall economy is going, uh, you're finding that some people may actually be both, right, where they're mm -hmm. working full-time jobs and then they also have second types of gigs or they're working towards being an entrepreneur. I don't think there's ever been a time where it's been more hip, accessible, and a viable option for people to be entrepreneurs, or I even use the term intrapreneur, which is right. creating businesses within your company. That's fantastic. When you're meeting with someone, you know, I, I know um, UFG does a lot of, you know, they attend a lot of the franchise shows, Jason. I mean, when you're meeting with a prospective franchisee for the first time and, you know, someone, they came up to your booth and those typical questions, I was like, you know, so what do you guys do? How do you typically describe the VentureX franchise to a prospective franchisee? Because I know you talk to a lot of people at these franchise shows. No, absolutely. And yeah, we're just coming off the heels of the New York franchise show where we were exhibiting there. And three years ago, we would have to explain what co-working even was. I mean, right. I actually had right. somebody come up to the booth and saw the word and they asked me, what is cow-orking, right? So, <laughs> it's it, so people really, even three or four years ago, didn't understand what it is. But specifically in New York, where we work is now the largest tenant, we no longer have to explain what co-working right. or flexible shared space is. And for people to kind of grasp and understand, we pretty much just tell them we're the five-star solution provider uh, in co-working and flexible workspace. And people tend to get it, right, because they'll right. specifically ask, like, well, what makes you different than Regis or WeWork? And this is a not a knock on either company. I've actually used and been at both of the places, but they're targeting different segments of the market than we are, uh, where we compare Regis to, let's say, a Courtyard Marriott. Very nice, you know, meets the bill, foots the bill for pretty much everything you need and being there and nice business class uh, environment. Uh, so I like to compare them to the hospitality and hotel industry. So, again, Regis would be like a Courtyard Marriott. 
where we work would be more like the W Hotel. And when I used to mm-hmm. travel with my wife, I would always look to stay at the W. Uh, right. We had the opportunity to go to Barcelona. I stayed at the W in Barcelona uh, and became the last time I stayed at a W because at midnight somebody was throwing up in the lobby leaving the bar and we couldn't sleep because of the nightclub upstairs. And right. that's a huge environment of people that want to be in that environment, including me at one point. So I always right. tell people 10 years ago I would have preferred uh, a WeWork. Uh, today the older right. me would prefer to be in a VentureX. So instead of staying at a courtyard or the W, I'd prefer to stay at the Marriott, the Hilton, the Hyatt Regency, or the Ritz-Carlton, or the Westin. And that's kind of the segmentation that, that we're going after, which is an upper-class, essentially co-working Grown up. That's great, Jason. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's amazing how this whole. And you're right about that too, because I, you know, I must admit, like you know, probably three years ago, I wasn't really familiar, you know, with this whole concept either, uh, Jason. You know, and this whole concept of, I guess, you know, sharing, of, you know, sharing homes today or cars or apartments and things like that. I mean, it just, it really makes sense, doesn't it? I imagine, you know, technology is 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 a big part or an important part of this business. You know, maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, how VentureX utilizes technology in the business today, Jason. Absolutely. And I think this is one of the biggest reasons you're seeing a consolidation in the industry Mm -hmm. where a lot of people try to start in the business mom and pop, but they vastly underestimated the need uh, for high-level technology. Um, If you're going to Starbucks and you're spending $4 on a cup of coffee, you may not expect the Wi-Fi to be that fast. But Mm -hmm. if you're spending several hundred dollars or seven thousand dollars a month to be in an office right you do and sure. our technology platform is we've actually launched the first fully integrated software and hardware platform on a large scale in co-working so we've partnered with a company based in england that has recently went public and we've launched an all-inclusive platform which pretty much turns our owners into their own internet and phone company right from the front desk uh, wow. meaning one of the one of the faults of co-working was shared Wi-Fi, meaning if you had a business that you didn't want your information shared over public Wi-Fi, co-working wasn't an option for you. Now we have the capacity right at the front desk for the owner or the community manager to actually give you your own virtual private network or your own VoIP phone number right from the front desk. So if you rent an office space, you don't have to share the public Wi-Fi. We can actually turn on in your office your own internet network where you can name it, have your own password and security, and actually set up your own phone right from the front desk. So technology advancements have been a huge development in co-working, and and we're excited to be one of the first large-scale operators to actually launch that full functionality into a space. You're listening to Franchise Interviews, and we're speaking with Jason Anderson, the president of the fastest-growing co-working franchise, VentureX. And VentureX strives to provide high-quality, flexible, collaborative spaces to business professionals, allowing their members to grow their companies and exceed their business goals. And are there numbers yet um, as far as the industry, Jason? I mean, again, I know this is still it's a fairly new industry, but it seems to me, you know, in looking at it again, as you said, the last three to five years, I mean, there's been significant growth in this industry. Are there any hard numbers or it's hard to tell at this point? No, and that's one of the most interesting things. For it being such a new industry, you would think that's the case, but it's absolutely untrue. I would go as far to say that it's one of the most reported industries in all of franchising, meaning at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, if you're looking to open up a, a sub shop and you ask somebody, what is the cheesesteak consumption in Manhattan? There's right, nobody that right. can give you that information. But if right. you ask somebody what is the occupancy rates of a specific building in Manhattan, that information exists. 
Right, so exactly. To just dumb it down, we're only talking about commercial real estate. So it's it's yeah. saying is there commercial real estate data, which there is as sure. much data on commercial real estate as there is for you buying a house in a subdivision right. in any city of America. But specifically for co-working, there is. It's been uh, capped at a $26 billion market industry. And wow. we already have players like WeWork who have been valued at $45 billion. But again, uh, some other numbers is that there's been a membership growth of actual co-working members from 500,000 in 2015 to 3.1 million in 2019, so nearly a 6,000% growth. And then Jones Lang LaSalle, that data is specifically from Juicy, which is the Global Coworking Unconference. And almost every major commercial real estate company has developed a co-working report. Uh, one specifically is from Jones Lang LaSalle. Uh, Collier's developed one, Cushman Wakefield. But the Jones Lang LaSalle report shows that currently in 2019, flexible workspace and co-working only makes up 5% of the office space market. They've wow. plotted that number growing to 30% by 2030. Now, that 25% growth is this mix. 20% of that is people coming out of traditional offices into flexible workspace. Uh, the analogy I use for that is every time I go to New York, like I was just there for the New York franchise show, right. uh, I get out JFK, there's dozens of taxis just sitting there, and I haven't yep. gotten one in probably five years. I call an Uber. <laughs> And simply put, I don't want to have to tell the driver where to go, wonder how much it's going to cost, hope I get a receipt, and then have no way to give him a one-star review if he refuses to turn the air condition on or he's a horrible person. All of those things exist inside of Uber. It's simply put, just a better way to do something uh, than it was before. And that's all a co-working space is. Uh, So you have tenants coming out of traditional office space, They're no longer going to think, well, why should I buy coffee myself? Why should I set up my own Wi-Fi? Why should I buy furniture? They're going to come into co-working. The other 5% is made up of people that couldn't afford or didn't want to take the risk of old-school, long-term, traditional office leases, that they're trying their hand at launching their business, and they like the flexibility of month-to-month terms and scalability of co-working. So I think we have a huge uh, 10-year runway of growth, and that's identified directly from Jones Lang LaSalle. And if you just Google co-working report, there's an entire website, uh, coworkingstatistics.com, that gives you every data point that you could ever want globally on the industry. It must be exciting for you, Jason, to be part of an industry, you know, where you have this, this type of growth. I can't say that, you know, we've had industries that have had your type of growth on the show, you know, in, in doing the show 12 years. What's been Tough question, but what's been one of the most interesting things that's happened to you since you know being part of VentureX? And probably you probably have hundreds of stories, but does anything kind of stand out over the last several years? I, I think really again just the development of the industry. Like I said, if, mm-hmm. if you were to look at ninety nine percent of other franchises, people kind of get and understand what you're doing. But to go from right. in three years, people, and I am not exaggerating, and I'll say it again, I had somebody come up to our booth and ask me what cow working was, right? So <laughs> to go from people having no clue what it even meant yeah. to right. it being a $26 billion industry and pretty much just the future of how we're going to do things. Um, and, again, I've been around franchising for a while, and, and I've helped mm-hmm. close to 100 companies become a franchise, and I think you hit it on the head. I think it's just the true – 
industry growth uh, and the fact that franchising is involved so early on uh, right. is the most interesting thing. And again, that's that's not to lessen or discount some of the, the owners that we have and the backgrounds and the experiences, but I think just as you pegged it, just the sheer industry volume and growth and the fact mm-hmm. that we're talking about office space, right, and, and, and that right. being such a unique identifier has been the most interesting aspect. What types of characteristics do you look for then, Jason? I mean, when you're meeting with prospective franchisees, I'm sure you have like a whole list of, you know, kind of like characteristics or traits, but, um, you know, so what types of characteristics then do you look for in your franchisees? Well, and that's why I didn't want to diminish any of the values of the of the specific people, but mm-hmm. the characteristics we're looking for to to be just kind of frank is our investment is between one to close to four million dollars. Mm-hmm. So obviously, the people we look for had to have typically already been successful in some other type of venture in their life. Right. So we're not selling to uh, first-time business owners or right. unseasoned, let's say, entrepreneurs or executives. So one of our big drivers, and a lot of our owners have come from the hospitality industry, meaning they already own hotels. Mm-hmm. And when you look at some of the similarities, if you're going to open up uh, a Holiday Inn, you're buying a space, you're building it, you're putting beds and furniture in each room, and then you're renting that out to people on a daily, weekly, monthly, or potentially long-term basis. When you look at a co-working space, it's the exact same thing. Uh, But we joke, you know, that co-working has much better hours and less people involved. (laughs) So, And and we say, look, instead of having – you know, 200 toilets, you may have four that you have to manage because <laughs> a hotel runs 24-7, 365, yeah. and you have anywhere between 50 to 100 people to run it. And this, again, I love the hotel brands. I think they're all great opportunities. Mm-hmm. But a co-working space, again, uh, our typical location has three to four employees open Monday through Friday, nine to five, in very similar financial modeling, right? You have build a space, right. furnish it, lease it out to people on a – daily, weekly, potential monthly or long-term basis. So, again, a lot of our owners have come from that. Or they're executives uh, leaving high-end kind of Fortune 500 and uh, organizations. One of our owners was the chief marketing officer for IBM in a previous life. So. What what is the training like then, Jason, for <clears throat> your new franchisees? I mean, once you decide, you know that that you do like them, they like you, and they want to come on board as a franchise. Do they is it do they come down to corporate headquarters for the training? Is that how it works? They do, and for and you may have been familiar with with speaking with Ray, but we have a fifty thousand mm-hmm. square foot world headquarters here in West yes. Palm Beach. We have a basketball yeah. court and a hundred seat movie theater inside the building. That's our wow. training facility. So. Uh, this is something else that's really kind of made headlines in the co-working industry because there's no co-working school. There's some online courses, right. and truthfully, the industry is so new that people that have worked at WeWork for six months are now high-end consultants in the industry because they truly have experience. But what we've done is we've developed a two-week in-house training, meaning you're actually in a classroom learning firsthand and actually visiting real locations that are open mm-hmm learning the ins and outs of co-working for two weeks. That's then followed up by three weeks of on-site support and setup. So our training program is a five-week, two weeks in-house and three weeks on-site at multiple different times during your development and build-out. Uh, so we have uh, uh, a 
furniture delivery and install set up and training mm-hmm. A to have somebody like to make sure that 400 desks are built properly, put into the right places and everything's where it's supposed to be and overseeing that. Uh, we then have an operation set up once all the technology and hardware and everything is live. And then we have a marketing set up and launch uh, on site as well. And that's all before the grand opening of the location. You're listening to Franchise Interviews, and we're speaking with Jason Anderson. And and VentureX strives to provide high-quality, flexible, collaborative spaces to professionals, allowing their members to grow their companies and exceed their business goals. Maybe you could talk a little bit about, uh, if there is such a thing, Jason, a a typical day as a franchisee. I know you get to work with a lot of uh, franchisees. Um, What would a typical day be like as a VentureX franchisee? Good question, and we're a franchise that allows owners, as you can imagine, at this level and scale to be absentee. Uh, Up front, most of our owners are involved with the initial launch and development Mm -hmm. of the location, and then some of them uh, hire staff that actually run it and don't spend very much time inside the location. So there's not a typical day like you would find in franchises that require an owner-operator and they don't allow absentee ownership. But a typical day for our owner is really, again, measuring metrics in the same way that a hotel owner would. Uh, Mm -hmm. So typically they're not the ones working the front desk or actually meeting and greeting uh, customers and tenants as they come into the space. So they're really focused on kind of revenue generation, what's the current occupancy rates, and what's the goals to either improve upon that or maintain that level of occupancy. So it's a really kind of data and metric-driven role, and that's why we find a lot of high-level executives really kind of like that overview and why uh, a lot of people are coming from the hospitality industry to this. Because if you can understand the logistics of running a hotel and changing Mm -hmm. sheets and mattresses and things on a daily basis, the co-working industry uh, definitely seems like a simpler business model. The other aspect is to expand upon that point, it is a very simple business model. Right, There's no right. cost of goods sold, essentially. You have very fixed expenses. So you have your rent, which is typically a 10-year lease unless you own the property. You have three or four employees, your utilities, and all the basic kind of things that come along with owning a space. And that's pretty much it. And then you rent out the space for more than you're spending on the expenses. Right, So there's no monitoring of how much food do we have to order, how much inventory do we have, do we have the right mix of products. So while it's a large investment, it's an unbelievably simplistic and easy P&L. You don't need to have uh, Ernst & Young level kind of uh, consultants. You can really create this on a simple Excel spreadsheet, the P&L for this business. You've been involved in franchising for some time, Jason, and again, you work with an organization that really – specializes in franchising what advice would you give to our listeners in their quest to buy a franchise because as you know you mean you just attended the franchise show in new york and you know that there's so many thousands of opportunities out there we find that our listeners in the beginning phases anyway they're kind of like confused they're like where the heck do i even begin so i mean from everything you've learned up to this point what advice would you give to our listeners in their quest to buy a franchise well, you're right. I mean, I've worked with a lot of people and sold franchises and franchising their business. Mm-hmm. And, and the three things I would tell anybody looking to buy a franchise uh, to break it down uh, very simplistically, because I think people vastly overcomplicate franchising. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I tell them when they're looking to buy a franchise, regardless of what it is, is the first two things is they have to be able to say yes to these first two questions, meaning for the franchise fee that you're paying up front, do you feel like you're going to get a better deal for that fee? 
than you would have if you'd spent the equal amount of money doing everything on your own. That mm-hmm. answer has to be 100% yes. And with VentureX, right. our franchise fee, I feel 1,000% confident you can't replicate what we provide from right. website, logo, marketing, branding, training. You cannot get it for less or potentially double even what you actually pay us. So right. the franchise fee has to make sense up front. Then the royalties, because these are the two things people get caught up with all mm-hmm. the time on franchising, that reason they either don't want to do it or they want to do it. Then the royalty. Let's use 6% as an average franchise royalty across the board. You have to feel comfortable that the franchise you're choosing and going with can help you do at least 7% more revenue than you would have done on your own. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you feel comfortable with that, meaning if you opened up you know, Marty Subs, do you think you would do right. 7% more if you opened up a Jersey Mike's instead? And right. generally speaking, I think the consensus, you have to feel 100% confident that the answer is yes for two things. Because every other cost in the middle, you would have had on your own. And I can almost mm-hmm. guarantee that you would have made more mistakes, not done it right, messed up on the marketing, had no idea where to buy the products from. So if those two things are a yes, then franchising it is an astronomically better option than doing the business on your own. If those two first things are no, don't buy the franchise. Uh, the third thing I would tell people is, what do you want to wear on a daily basis? And that sounds like an odd mm-hmm. question, but yeah. I've met people that I've met with, and I'm meeting with them, and they're in a suit and tie, and they're coming from, again, a Chevron, or they work for GlaxoSmithKline, and they're looking to buy a franchise in an industry that completely has no bearing to the human being that they are, right? And, right. Th- and again, this is not a knock on the businesses. I met an oil, right. oil executive who was looking to buy a sports clips, right? And great business. He was going to buy an existing location. And I asked him, have you ever got your hair cut at a sports clips? No. Mm-hmm. Have you ever worked with stylists before? No. So tell me what about this business makes sense to you. He like, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It was like the first right, one I looked at. Right. So I'm like, let's kind of rule that one out. So we got him into a professional franchise, right? And vice versa. I met a guy that, you know, whose family owned you know, uh, service-based businesses, and he wanted to work with mechanics and people around there, and he got into uh, a service-based automotive franchise. But, again, he was also looking at different professional franchises that were a horrible fit for his personality. So those are really the three kind of key things to tell people to look at is, do you feel confident that the franchise fee is a better value than you would do on your own? And do you feel confident that the royalty could pay for itself? If it is and you like that industry, every other fee you would have had in the middle on your own. So franchising vastly reduces your risk of launching that business. Nobody can guarantee success, but the franchise should definitely pay for itself with those two fees. And then pick something that fits your personality. Don't get sold Mm -hmm. uh, on an industry that you have no interest in. You still have to be an entrepreneur and kind of love what you do. It's what, what a great response, Jason. Again, I was mentioning here earlier, you know, we've been doing the show 12 years, you know, and I, I think that's one of the best answers. We have this great quotes in franchising, you know, we're, we're going to put that in there, you know, because I, I think it's fantastic. It was interesting how you said, you know, how do you want to dress? You know, my, my father, I mean, you never saw the guy without, he was always wearing a suit and tie, you know, I mean, he just, that was his, he'd go to the beach almost with a suit and tie, you know, I mean, he was, that was just how he was comfortable, you know what I mean? And, you know, you bring up a lot of great points in, in bringing up those three questions, you know, I, I think it's just, 
I, I think it's a fantastic response for for our listeners. Maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, so where do you see VentureX, and if you can look into a crystal ball, maybe three to five years down the road, where do you see the organization, Jason? Uh, very simply put, we plan on being the third largest co-working spr- franchise in those three to five years. We've actually mm-hmm. plotted three years exactly, 36 months, so summer 2022 uh, to already be there. With 80-plus sold, uh, we've pegged right now that we need about 120 open locations to make us the third largest co-working mm-hmm. uh, space, period. That's behind Regis and WeWork. So that's that's our goal. That's great. Do you see it going international at some point, Jason? I mean, you know, there's, there's enough of a market here in the United States, so you probably don't even have to worry about that right now. But I mean, sometime in the future, do you see it going international? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I missed that at the first beginning. We already are, right? So we oh, opened up okay. in Canada. Wow. We already have a sold-out location in Canada, two oh, wow. more already under construction being built. And we've sold 25 other countries. Now, let me explain that. So we're already open in the U.S. We've already sold Canada. We've sold the U.K. Um, We've also now sold all 22 countries of Middle East, North Africa, and Australia. And we have deposits. Those are sold. So we've already sold 26 countries that we're in. Uh, And we have have four more deposits pending, New Zealand, Brazil, Mexico, and Spain. So we we already are international. That's amazing. Do you get to go to all these places, Jason? That must be great for you. Okay. <laughs> I do. I spend quite a bit of time on the road. I mean, I've spent uh, 90 days in Australia in the last two years wow. collectively. That's incredible. You have a great job. How can our listeners get more information, uh, Jason, on, on Venture Access? As, of course, the franchise opportunity, but even the service itself. Are there any websites we can kind of direct them to to get more information? There are. The consumer site is VentureX.com. That's where you could go to look at all of our locations, pictures, details, and request more information. And the franchise website is VentureXFranchise.com. Or I put my email openly out there on my LinkedIn page. You can email me directly at Jason at VentureX.com for any details on either side. That's fantastic. Well, I've really enjoyed talking to you, Jason. I, I think this is a wonderful franchise opportunity, and I'd already like to invite you back in the next year or two as you continue to grow, because I think this is an amazing opportunity. Awesome. Thanks again, Marty. This has been my pleasure, Jason. And we'll be right back with more franchise interviews. Coming up on segment two, you're going to hear what every franchisepreneur needs to know before buying a franchise. We're going to play a clip from our popular Great Quotes and Franchising podcast right here on Franchise Interviews. Are you one of those special people who are willing to go after your dreams and goals? Are you ready to fulfill that dream of owning your own business with the security of a proven brand? The opportunity to take control of your future and own a Rita's Italian Ice franchise is within your reach. Rita's is seeking success-oriented individuals who are ready to make a change in their life, and Rita's offers unparalleled training and support to assure your success. And did you know the frozen treat industry is a recession-proof industry, and there are Rita's in 23 states currently with 540 stores open. Rita's Italian Ice has been around for 25 years and is listed as a top-performing franchise by the Wall Street Journal. Now here's the really good part. Rita's Italian Ice is a unique and amazing taste treat. It's smoother than a snow cone, and it combines ice with real fresh fruit. 
The real fruit adds dramatically to the taste and it comes in over 40 flavors. The ice and fruit are mixed on site and made fresh daily and it is delicious. You'll want to know more about this exciting and successful franchise opportunity. Go to www.ownaritas.com and get all your questions answered. That's www.ownaritas.com to take control of your dreams and future today. You don't want to wait any longer to be a part of this adventure. www.ownaritas.com Franchisers, are you looking to reach aspiring entrepreneurs looking to buy a franchise? Are you looking to reach a highly educated audience on franchising? For over eight years, Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship through our website, FranchiseInterviews.com, where you can hear and read interviews as well as get tips from some of the most successful sources in franchising. Our weekly franchise radio show where each week you get to hear a new interview with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts and attorneys, and our podcast, Great Quotes in Franchising. For more information, go to FranchiseInterviews.com or call us at 610-905-2919. That's 610-905-2919. Today's Great Quote in Franchising is being brought to you by... The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity. Are you looking for a unique and lucrative franchise opportunity? If so, take a look at Stone Coat. With a patented process which creates a true stone finish on almost any wall or ceiling, Stone Coat is a true game-changing product in the multi-billion dollar construction industry. Stone Coat is applied faster, cleaner, and cheaper than conventional quarried stone, which saves both time and money. With advantages in remodel and new construction of both residential and commercial projects, Stone Coat is a true crossover product. The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity provides a low startup cost, low operating expenses, comprehensive training, ongoing support, and no royalty payments. For more information on the Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity, go to www.stonecoatfranchise.com. That's www.stonecoatfranchise.com or call us at 972-380-2700. That's 972-380-2700. Hi everyone, this is Marty McDermott from Franchise Interviews and welcome to another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising, Reach podcast you get to hear a great quote in franchising. You know, we've been hosting Franchise Interviews many years now and the way this whole podcast came about was we were looking to do, over the years we've had some great quotes on our show. So we decided to do these like little mini clips of kind of like a best of segment uh, because it was some really great, significant information within each show. And we didn't realize that the podcast, this particular podcast, was going to turn into something just as big as the radio show. So today you're going to get to hear an interesting clip from Larry Sadati, and he is the chief development officer of a franchise called Paris Baguette. And he says something really interesting. We're going to call this podcast, You Really Gotta Love Me, but you got to listen to it to find out why. We get into franchising, but we find from doing the show such a long time now that Many aspiring entrepreneurs, they don't know where to begin. What advice would you give to them in their quest to buy a franchise because you've been doing this such a long time now? I, I would say 
you look at something that you can get passionate about and are very excited about. Mm-hmm. Don't you need to be clear on what your objectives are and your goals. Um, right. You need to you need to look beyond the the superficial stuff. Like again, I know money is is extremely important, but you got to look past just the money part of it. Mm-hmm. You right. got to look at something that you're you can get heavily invested in emotionally and and also financially, and that you you believe in. And when I say that, the, the most important part of a franchise franchise relationship is alignment. You have to make sure that you're aligned with that company that you would be getting involved with, and they're aligned with you, and, right. which means you have to believe in what they believe in. You have to you have to have similar values, and you have to make sure that you you are in tune with the leadership of that company, mm-hmm. that you know them intimately and understand what they're what what's driving them and what what you basically got to put yourself in the organization, right? And and try to come out with the, a decision that you feel totally comfortable with and aligned with and just make sure that all the pieces are in place and you do your due diligence don't get trapped into something that you think is a hot concept or mm-hmm. um something that looks great today because there's a lot of here today is gone tomorrow and i live in the county yeah. that right now i can't tell you how many times i get the question cuz you know doing the show such a long time larry is you know from an aspiring franchise, it's like, what's hot right now in franchising? You know, you're right. Yeah. I typically have the same responses. You know, you might want to be a little careful about, you know, what's hot today because you're right. It, it, it's a lot of times it's, it's gone in five years, isn't it? Yeah, and you also you, you've got to be aware of how easy it is to get involved in it because if it's easy, people are going to spring up into it, sure. and it's going sure. to get. There are, you know, the the pizza space right now is is going through that. There's going to be a consolidation mm-hmm. because in every region there's no clear dominant player yet. Right. But you have all these players, and they can't yeah. all survive. And no, they can't. Sooner or later, you know, you, you can get caught up in something like that, saying it's really, really hot. It's a great concept, but, you know, when guys start putting two or three of them within two blocks of each other and you start splitting the market and everything becomes commoditized, you know, that's a lower low barrier of entry sure. category that can deceive you into a bad decision. I'm not saying right. it's a bad decision. I'm just saying right. it's an example of getting into something that is not really a high barrier of entry category. So you have to be very sure. careful and make a very careful decision. Yeah, I think that's well said. And I like how you used on, on several instances in this interview, Larry, is, is you emphasize the word relationship. You know, and a lot of times when someone will ask me, you know, they'll, to describe a franchise, you know, is that's what I describe it as. It's, it's a relationship, isn't it? And you kind of put an emphasis also on that, you know, having that trust in the franchisor is a key element of franchising, isn't it? At the end of the day, if you're married, this is your second spouse. Yeah. And well if you're not married, this is your first spouse. And anyone that's ever been married knows you better be completely aligned with who you're marrying or else things don't go right. And that that's yeah. a painful that's very painful when it spins out and goes the wrong way. So 
you know, when when I speak with franchisees and, and I'm, you know, one of the things that I often say is, look, we're going to be married. This is a contract, but it's a marriage. Right. And you really got to love me because if you don't. <laughs> I like that. It, it's it's going to be, it's not going to end well, and you just need to look at it as hey we're we're dating, and we're going to get engaged, and then we're going to get married, and right. You know, it's not, we're not always going to agree, but at least we know that we can disagree and walk away and come back and and agree on other things. It's got to be that, that kind of a relationship. That's great. We have this um, free quotes and franchising podcast. We're going to put that in there, Larry. I think that's great advice to our listeners. You know, and if you'd like to listen to that whole show with Larry Sadati of Paris Baguette, all you have to do is go to franchiseinterviews.com, go to our franchise interviews by category page, and then go to the food section, and you can actually hear that whole interview. It was a fantastic show the podcast we did with Larry. So, And finally, we just want to thank everyone for making this podcast such a big hit. It's hard to imagine we've been doing this podcast, uh, radio show, almost a decade now. So it's really uh, quite incredible how quickly the time has gone by. So we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll see you again soon with another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising from Franchise Interviews. Take care, everyone. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews.